Dear sisters and brothers, salam alaikum. Yesterday we started this discussion about how sometimes when uncomfortable feeling happens, because we can't go through them, it's so difficult, and experience comes, instead of allowing it to pass, it's so uncomfortable, we either want to ignore it, push it down, we don't allow it to go, to pass. For example, we hear we're scared of something, and you know when you get scared, after a while, it comes and it goes. But if I don't know how to sit with it in those few minutes, which when I'm scared, I may try to distract myself, I may try to do something to avoid feeling uncomfortable. This is what we were saying yesterday. Tonight I will talk about what are some of the things we do when an uncomfortable feeling comes. Because all of us, once something uncomfortable comes and we don't know how to deal with it, we do certain things to avoid that. And then we get a little bit used to that, it creates problems for us. The first kind of things we do in order to avoid an uncomfortable feeling is that a set of behaviors. It could be anger, blame, judgment. I'll explain how. Let's say um, you're married, you have a child. And now there's an issue with your child. God forbid something has happened. And it's so uncomfortable. It's a very uncomfortable feeling that your child is now unwell or has done poorly in school. Now, this is uncomfortable. In order to avoid feeling that, you may blame it on your partner. So blaming another person is a way of avoiding that uncomfortable feeling. Oh, it's your fault. Now, a very simple way of this is that as we're walking in the house, if there's, for example, a Lego on the floor or someone's put their mug on the floor and your toes hit it, how painful is that? That feeling is uncomfortable. We can't stand with that pain. Immediately we go to a behavior to distract ourselves from the pain. So a lot of people, as soon as their toe hits a Lego or a mug, they shout, who put this here? Why are you angry? Well, because anger distracts us from feeling the pain. Helps. And so a lot of people may, by the time they're 30, they have so many things in their personality which at some point started just to save them from pain, from that uncomfortable feeling. But because they've never worked with it, now they have all of these issues. Maybe they have anger issues. Maybe they judge others because judgment also helps us. Blaming. Even sometimes being extra nice. I'm not saying everyone who's nice is like this, but sometimes if a person felt that in their family, they're not receiving love or their opinion is not valued. Imagine a child, a three-year-old or four-year-old, a five-year-old felt like at home, they're not loving him enough or her enough. And she felt a little bit unloved. So she says, you know what I'm gonna be doing in order not to feel that? I'm gonna become so nice that no one can ever leave me. So you see that in their friendships, this person will always go out of their way. Which restaurant should we go to? Whatever you guys say. Which movie should we watch? Whatever you say. Which sheikh should we listen to? Whatever you say, just not sheikh Javad, right? So you may look at this person, be like, this is so nice, but this person, what they're trying to do is to avoid the pain of feeling lonely or unloved. 
So the ways we try to distract ourselves from feeling pain are very different. So that was some of the things, judgments, behavior, etc. Another way in which we avoid feeling uncomfortable feelings is to become attached on people. So I don't know how to make myself feel better. There's uncomfortable feeling. I don't know how to deal with it. So I give this responsibility to you to take care of me, right? Well, you make me feel better. And in a lot of relationships, you see this happens. The partners become dependent on each other because neither of them knows how to deal with their pain that they have inside. It could be stress, it could be insecurities, it could be fear of what's happening. They don't know how to deal with that, so they become attached on another person to take care of them. They go towards them to distract themselves from the pain. And of course, a lot of the times, this may be good initially, because sometimes we don't know how to handle pain. Sometimes we, we don't have the tools how to deal with a difficult situation. So it's okay to resort to another person. What I'm trying to say is that at some point we need to, when we're a little bit older, when we have the power, when we have the knowledge, we need to fix this. Otherwise, we will be dependent on external things. And if, for example, suddenly they leave or something happens to them, we're left on our own without any tools to defend ourselves. So this was the second thing we do. We said the first thing we do to avoid feeling pain are some behaviors, judging others, judging ourselves, anger, blame, etc. Second one was resorting to people. I don't know how to deal with the stress, let me call a friend. I don't know how to deal with this, let me do that. And then the third thing is some activities or substances. Now you may have seen a lot of people who when they get stressed a lot, they go work out. Or for example, there are a lot of people who, the way they deal with pain, stress, or pressure at home is to stay longer hours at work. All of these are what? The person doesn't know how to deal with an uncomfortable feeling. They try to distract themselves with something outside. It could be work, it could be even reading. For some people, it could be shopping. For some people, as soon as they get lonely, they start eating. All of these become ways in which we try to avoid feeling uncomfortable. As soon as we feel lonely, oh, let me go eat something. As soon as I feel a little bit stressed or lonely or worried, let me go on Instagram. So these become ways for us not to deal with what's happening inside. We resort to something to distract us, and the problem is that we slowly, slowly become addicted to that. We become addicted to workouts, some people, some people to eating, so any time they're stressed, lonely, they eat. It could be to certain websites, it could be to certain substances, so at the root of addiction, it's this. At some point, we had an uncomfortable feeling. We couldn't deal with it. We resorted to something to distract ourselves from it, and it was so good, we kept going back. So it could be addiction to anything. You know, I don't want to mention the different types of addictions there are, but each of us in some way is addicted to something. If it's social media, if it's a certain substance, if it's a certain website, certain activity, eating, whatever. And by the way, I'm not saying any of this to judge us. No one ever decided that I want to get addicted. No, at some point we didn't know how to deal with our pain. We didn't know how to take care of ourselves. So we, we wanted to distract ourselves, we wanted to protect ourselves. We started something. So. If, for example, you're listening to this and you feel like, well, I have an addiction too, 
Don't feel shame about it. Why? Because shame itself is a way to distract yourself from the pain. Like if you, for example, have heard the bitter truth that, for example, you're addicted to eating, to whatever, that's difficult. Now, if you start feeling ashamed about it, again, you're going towards shame to distract yourself. So we shouldn't feel shame even if we have any of these shortcomings, whatever addiction we have. As soon as we admit a shortcoming, we're good. Even God loves us. Imam Ali alayhi salam has a beautiful line. He says, Ilahi wasilati. Imam is saying, if you have a sin, a shortcoming, addiction, let's say, to the worst thing, as soon as you admit, as soon as you're open about it and you want to heal yourself, not only this won't stop God from loving you, but this honesty that you showed will become your way towards God. God, I'm going to use the fact that I'm open to you about my sins, about my addictions, about my shortcomings. As my way towards you. So see, not only God won't love us if we see a shortcoming inside, but he says as soon as you're open about it with God, this will even get you closer to him. So, that was the first step that we took today. We're going to be taking a few steps till we get to the last part, which is when I want to talk about subhanallah. What does subhanallah mean? The first step we took was this. Sometimes in life, uncomfortable feeling comes. We don't know how to deal with it. We distract ourselves through something, either an activity or another person. So, uncomfortable feeling. That was step number one. Step number two, let's talk about fasting. What is one of the spiritual functions of fasting? See, a lot of the people, the way we fast, the Prophet has said, it doesn't have that much spiritual value. The only value is hunger and thirst. So I'm not talking about any type of fasting because there are a lot of types of fasting which don't have that much spiritual value. So put that aside, we have hadiths from Imam Ali, from Prophet, I'm talking about a type of fasting which actually has spiritual value. What is one thing we can do to benefit from fasting and most of us unfortunately have not been taught? One of the things fasting is there to teach us is how to grow our capacity for sitting with an uncomfortable feeling. But we can only do that if when hunger comes or thirst comes at least once in a week. I don't expect you to do this in every day of the month. No, at least once in a week when you're fasting or once in a day. When hunger comes, hunger is a little bit uncomfortable or thirst. What do we usually do? We try to distract ourselves. Either we go watch a movie, I don't want to feel that hunger. Or we go to sleep, or we try talking to someone, go on social media. Well, if we do this, we haven't had that much spiritual exercise. Uncomfortable feeling came, hunger, we distracted ourselves. We slept, we watched something, we started talking to someone, or we fantasized about what we're gonna eat. So in this case, this fasting at least didn't help us spiritually. But imagine if at least once a day or once a week, when you're fasting and hunger comes, say, oh, 
it's uncomfortable. And before I could distract myself, I could sleep, I could watch something. But now I want to use this as an opportunity to grow spiritually. An uncomfortable feeling has come, and I want to sit with it and allow it the time to pass. Because do you remember that's what we were saying yesterday? That events in life are meant to come and go. But sometimes we don't let them go. We hold on to them. Or we are not patient enough for them to take their time and go. Like we lose a loved one and we want the pain to finish right away. We, can't, we don't have the strength inside to allow pain to take its time and it will go. Life becomes normal again. But because we can't do that, because we haven't had any practice of sitting with something uncomfortable and allowing it to take its time to pass. But with fasting, you can try this. When hunger comes, we'll try it in the next days if you want to. Hunger comes, sit with it. Oh, there's hunger inside me and I don't want to escape from it. Sit there and see what is hunger like. You see, oh, it's, it feels a little bit in my stomach I'm hungry. My throat is very dry. My tongue feels different. Sit with it. See what is hunger like. You sit with it and it's very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. Before you wanted to sleep or do. Now you sit with it. I'm going to be using this as an opportunity to grow my capacity for accepting life. At least once a day, once a week. And then you will learn certain things. You will see, oh wow, hunger came. I wasn't hungry. I was working. So hunger wasn't there. Hunger came in my life. Now it's here. And if you sit with it, you'll see after 20 minutes it goes. And to learn this, to teach your body, your soul, this fact that difficult things come, but they don't stay. They go. Hearing about this is useless. You have to feel it. And fasting can help us with this. Another thing you're going to teach yourself if you do this you see what happens to us when we're in a difficult situation. You learn about yourself. So when hunger comes, you see, oh, it's making you feel certain way. Oh, this is uncomfortable. I wish. Uh, and also it gives you certain thoughts. This is very good to learn. That I didn't have any of these thoughts a few minutes ago. I was working. As soon as hunger came, it came with its friends. It brought thoughts to my mind. Now it's saying, oh, I can't wait to have, for example, that shawarma. Oh, if only I could have a character right now, I need to have this. Life would be so good. See? Where were these thoughts a few minutes ago? They weren't there. Hunger came, it brought thoughts with it. And then when hunger goes, all of those thoughts go as well. Step number two was this one. A practice to sit with an uncomfortable feeling. So, so far we've taken two steps. One, uncomfortable feelings come. If we don't know how to deal with them, we'll resort to other things that we'll get addicted to. We'll get addicted to people, we may get addicted to workout, we may get addicted to substances, overeating, anything. Step number two, what's the one good practice that can help us with that fasting? And of course, if fasting is if you haven't had previous emotional experiences with eating. If someone has had eating disorders or etc., they may find this difficult. But for other people, this is an easy place to start. Where is the step three we're taking temptations? What are temptations like? 
Now I want to refer you to the moments in which you've been tempted to do something which you knew it was wrong. Let's see what is temptation like. The experience of hunger is going to help us a lot in understanding that. Do you remember how we said hunger wasn't there? Hunger came, and as soon as it came, certain thoughts came with it, and then if you sit with it, usually after 20 minutes, hunger goes. It may come back again in two hours, but usually hunger, thirst for 20 minutes, if you stay with it, goes. Temptation is very similar. You're, you're at work, you're doing work, or you're at home, you're alone, you're on your laptop, everything is fine. Suddenly a temptation comes. It wasn't there. A few minutes ago, nothing. No thoughts, no feelings. You were just working. Suddenly, a temptation comes. Now, a temptation for each person may be different. It may be visiting a certain website. For a person who wants to lose weight, it may be eating. Whatever temptation it may be. As soon as that temptation comes, you see, oh, with it, it's bringing some thoughts. They weren't there a few minutes ago. And it makes your life a little bit uncomfortable. Because it keeps doing things to you, temptation. It makes you feel a certain way. And these thoughts, well, I'm going to use the example of eating because other temptations may not be good to speak about. Let's talk about eating. Like you want to be on a diet for your own decision. No one forced you. You decided for your health. Now it's telling you, oh, we have to have that muffin. Or we have to have that, I don't know, basbusa or baklava or whatever. Temptation is in your head talking to you. And it's acting as if it's you. It's, see, temptations are never like this. That, Javad, I am temptation, you have to eat a muffin. No, it talks as if it's you. Oh, I need to eat. See? And that's why we get confused. with like, oh, well, maybe that's what I want. Right? But if you have had that experience with fasting, then when temptations come, you don't get scared. You know what's happening. Ah, oh, this is the temptation talking to me. Temptation brings with it thoughts. It tells you things. It promises you things. Oh, if we have this brownie, we'll be so happy. Nothing in life can. Or if we go on that website, we'll be so happy. Life would be great. But if you don't go on that website, you'll never be happy. You'll be lonely. Life would be miserable. Nothing would be good. And now because it says it's talking in your head as if it's you, I need to go on this website. You think it's you. But if you sit with it, if you sit with it, you will see that it's there for 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and then it will go. And as soon as it goes, all of those thoughts go as well. A few minutes ago, it, in your head it says, if we don't eat this, we'll never be happy. But as soon as the temptation goes, you're like, no, actually, I can't be strong, I can't do this. Or sometimes we act upon the temptation. Let's say you're angry with someone, and the temptation is telling you, oh, go destroy them. Say this is what they've done to me, right? Who's say it's the, If you don't shout back at them, if you, if you don't stand up for them, if you don't, well, then life is going to be terrible. And then you go, you act, you act upon the temptation. You shout at them, and as soon as you shout, the anger goes away. Like, Why did I do that? A few minutes ago, in your head, it was telling you, if I don't talk back at them, if I don't shout at my, for example, my partner in a fight, I'm never going to be happy. So you listen to it. You shout it. As soon as you shout, your anger goes away. Like, hey, why did I do this? How many times has it happened to you 
that you're angry, you do something. As soon as the anger goes away, you're like, eh, what came over me? Or with temptations. The person is like, oh, if I only go on this website, I'll be happy. I need this. They go, they do whatever they do, and look, they feel terrible. They feel guilt. They feel terrible. Oh, why did I do this? What came over me? So see, if you sit with temptations, you learn a lot of things about them. That they come, they make promises that you have to listen to me. But they're lying. Temptations lie to you. Right? Temptations lie to you. It says you won't be happy if you don't do this. But you've tried it so many times. If you sit with it after 20 minutes, it goes and you're happy. Or it can lie to you in another way. If you do what I'm telling you, if you go and do this, you'll be so happy, Javad. We need this right now. Our happiness depends on doing this. So it promises you this. You go and do it. Two minutes later, you feel terrible. You feel miserable. Why did I do it? It lies to you. So this was another step that we needed to take. That sometimes what's inside us, thoughts, feelings, etc., are not honest with us. Temptations sometimes come and tell us things which are not true. Even though they're using our thoughts, they're using our feelings, but they're lying to us. Please recite the salawat. Step number four, we're going to talk a little bit about anxiety. So far, we've talked about addictions, temptations. Now we're going to be talking about anxiety. See, our body has a beautiful system to protect us when we're in danger. Let's say I'm outside back in the days, and a lion is attacking me. I have a system inside me, we all have in our brain, says, oh, this is dangerous. We need to bring all of our energy so we can escape from this lion. Right? So we have an alert system inside. But the problem is that sometimes our alert system may be oversensitive. So it's not like a lion is attacking us. We're just at the shopping mall and there are some teenagers there and we think, oh, what if the teenagers think I'm not cool? Right? It's not that the lion is there, there are just some teenagers and everyone in front of teenagers, we feel lame, right? Because they're so cool. Or so. Your brain, if it's, for example, over alert, it may make you feel in the same way as if a lion was attacking you. So it's like inside you, like it, it, you feel inside as if you're in a real danger, right? You may hyperventilate, your heart starts beating differently, you feel a sense of doom, you don't know what to do. And, you, and a lot of people, for example, they may go to a shopping mall they may feel like other people may judge them. They may get anxious. Anxiety comes and they, they feel like, oh, I have to go out. Their body feels exactly the same way as if we're in real danger. A lion is attacking us. Now, in these cases, they say, if we keep listening to this anxiety, if I, for example, I'm in a shopping mall, I'm getting anxious, and I say, okay, let me go out. Then the alert system inside us who perceived that situation as a danger looks, oh, Javad left the shopping mall. So it was a danger. So next time what it's going to do if we go to the shopping mall, it's going to even give us more, it's going to make us even more scared. Now, this is also true with religious waswas, with religious doubt. And we have a lot of ahadith as well from the imams as well. If you are praying and you keep doubting, 
There's a voice inside you that says, oh, 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 you do it again, do it again, do it again. You do vozu, it says do it again, do it again. They say in here as well, if you listen to it, it's going to get stronger. Just like anxiety, that if we allow it to, like it tells us this is a bad place, and if we avoid that, it becomes stronger. With religious fast one as well, if you act according to it, it will get stronger. Although with anxiety, it's a very delicate issue. How do you handle with it? It needs to see a professional. I'm not here to give tips on that, no. Anxiety, if you have, you need to see, okay, how do you handle that situation? What are some soothing techniques? What is exposure? I have no, I am not at all talking about how to handle with it. Or for example, now that's a very delicate situation. I'm just using it for, to show us this, that sometimes our body may tell us that a place is scary, dangerous, when we're really not in danger. And then through techniques that we need to learn from professionals, we have to teach our body that, no, in a shopping mall, I'm safe. And of course, those are very delicate steps that we need to learn. I'm not talking about that at all. That's not my thing to do. But there are techniques that you need to teach the body that I'm fine. And at that, and there's a point for a person who's dealing with anxiety or for a person who's dealing with religious waswas, there's a point in which everything inside them tells them this is a scary place, we have to go home. Everything inside them is telling them that. But at the same time, they have realized through, for example, whatever steps they've taken, that if I listen to this, it will get worse. So I have to find a way that despite what I'm feeling right now, I have to find a way to convince myself that no, we're fine. So what happens is a kind of detachment from how you're feeling at the moment, which is very real. And in no way am I going to undermine anxiety. It can be very, very difficult. But at some sense, you have to detach yourself from that, from however you feel, because you really feel like you're in danger. And a lot of you all may have had this in different times. Some people have social anxiety when they want to go meet new people. It's so difficult. Maybe someone has health anxiety. Whatever form of anxiety is a person going through. At that point, it's very difficult. If I don't, but at, so you really feel that everything inside you tells you this is a dangerous situation. But you have to, despite all of that, slowly, slowly, through techniques that you learn, detach yourself from everything that you feel and act as if you're not in danger Tell yourself, I'm fine Allah, through soothing techniques, through exposure, whatever, so that you teach yourself that no, we're fine. This is not a dangerous situation. So slowly, slowly, your alert system gets convinced and that in this situation, later on, it wouldn't make you feel scared. And this was the last step I needed to talk about, subhanAllah. That sometimes, this was the fourth thing, right? Sometimes whatever is inside us tells us something. Oh, this is a dangerous situation. Or, oh, I need to do this. And as difficult as that is, it's super difficult. Wallah, I'm not undermining it. If you have anxiety, if you've had addictions, I know how difficult. I'm not undermining it at all. 
It's, very, it's the hardest thing in the world. If you know someone in your life who's anxiety, get them. It's not easy. Hear it from me. It's not easy. Addiction is not easy to let go of. Anxiety is not easy to let go of. It's very difficult. But in some way, every single human being has to do this. To detach themselves from everything they're feeling and tell themselves that things are different. And that's subhanallah. See, subhanallah may be one of the most beautiful gifts that Islam has given us. We'll speak about it more tomorrow. Tonight I just try to prepare the grounds. But see what happens in this life. Honesty. On so many levels, when we look around ourselves, we see pain. They tell us the world is created by a loving God. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. But when we look at the world, do we see love everywhere we look? Whether it's our own personal life, the sufferings we're going through, it could be cancer, it could be a mental health, it could be a physical disability, it could be an illness for our parents, it could be an illness for our grandparents, illness for our children, for our partners. And even if in our own family we're fine, well, we look at the world, how can we be fine? How can we be okay with all of that suffering? How can we look at, for example, what's happening in, some of, in orphans in Iraq and, and, and not feel like this world was not created by a loving God? How can, it, everything inside you, when you look at some of the stories that are happening in the world, everything inside you tells you this is unfair. This doesn't make sense. Why is this world even created? And the more you care, the more you love other people, the more love you have for humanity, the harder this question becomes. Why did God do this? Why did he even create this? Why is there so much pain? Where's the love? Now, what does subhanAllah say? And by the way, I'm not trying to undermine this question. This is very difficult. We're going to be talking about it tomorrow as well. I'm just going to lay the ground. What subhanAllah says is, see, subhanAllah, what does it mean? Nothing bad can be attributed to the God. God is glorified, subhanAllah. A very easy way to understand it, one of its meaning is nothing bad can be attributed to God. Now ask yourself, why would God tell us to say this? Why would he tell you to say, subhanallah, that I'm never going to do anything bad? Or why would he say in the Quran, Now, one of the ways that our spiritual teachers explain it is this, that see, God is saying, from where you guys are and you look at the world, you have all the rights to be angry at it. How you experience the world, how you feel it, you have all the right to be angry. Because to you, it really feels and it really sees as if it's unfair. And if you don't feel it right now, maybe later on in your life something happens, you feel that way. And God says, I know, I get you. From where you're standing, it seems like that there's so much pain Things are happening to you. Some come and say, oh, it's a test. Some come and say, it's a punishment. Well, why do you test me like this? 
Why couldn't you find an easier test? Why couldn't you find a test in which there's not so much suffering, there's not so much pain? Little children don't go through pain. This doesn't happen. That, how is this a test? Find a better test. Find a better punishment. Why are you punishing us? So God says, I get you. Honestly. From where you're looking at it, you may not see my love. But believe me, I will never do anything to hurt you. I have never once wanted to hurt you. This is what subhanAllah means. And it's so difficult to accept subhanAllah. We say it, it means nothing. Subhanallah means that slowly, slowly in life we need to learn to detach from everything that we're feeling, which is telling us that everything is miserable, and trust that one day it will make sense to us why things are happening. One day we will see the love. Not now. Subhanallah means I get it that you can't feel it right now. And I get you, and that's what I'm telling you. I, I, I validate your feeling. I validate your anger, God is saying. But one day you will get it. Let me give you an example, and tomorrow we'll build on this. I remember when I was a child, maybe five years old, something happened to me. I, I was in one of these chairs that fold, and I was watching something. The chair fell. I, my leg went into a drawer, it was glass, it broke, a lot of blood was coming from my feet. My mom put me on her shoulder, ran to the first clinic there, and they were like, so much blood is coming, do something. The doctor started stitching my feet, and I was swearing at the doctor. I was four or five years old, so don't judge. But I was saying all the things that my five-year-old mind could come up with. Why are you doing this to me? There's so much pain. I even said words I'm not proud to share. Why? Because from where I was sitting there, all I could see was that this guy is an animal. Why is he putting a nail in my feet? From where my mom was watching, you're like, this doctor is saving your feet. Otherwise, we may have to cut it later on. So sometimes the place we are in the world may change the context. From my place, that doctor was an animal. From my mother's point of view, that doctor was saving my life. So see, sometimes in order to see what's happening, you have to look at things at a different height, at a different angle. Now, there are some things that everyone gets to that stage. Like everyone, when they become an adult, they understand that doctors are there to save us. Yes. But there are certain things that just becoming an adult doesn't help it. You need to look at the world from such a height and then see everything and then report back that, yes, it was out of love. With doctors, every parent can report to their child. My child, doctors are there for you. But with this world, no parent can do that. It requires a person who's gone so high, that's what mi'raj means by the way. They've gone so high and they're looking at the world from such a height and they see from this place that I'm looking at it, finally, it seems like it's out of love. And that's why Prophet is special. Because otherwise, none of us, every single one of us, we're faking it if we say we're okay with God. We're not. 
will show it every, at some point will show it. And we have all the rights not to be okay. In the Quran, we see that even prophets, when they didn't see what's happening, they had issues. In the story of Prophet Musa and that mentor who some say it's Khez, Prophet Musa was going with Khez, they were in a ship or a boat. That person, that mentor, started wrecking the ship. Prophet Musa was like, what are you doing? He couldn't take it. He raised his voice, he complained. And then what did he tell him? He said, of course, from where you're standing, because you don't know what's behind the scene, because you don't know why we're doing this, you're angry. You don't see the love behind it. A prophet, Khizri is telling to Musa, Lan even though you're a prophet, because you don't know what's happening, what's the context, what's the reason, you can't be patient and you have all the right not to be. Now let me tell you what was the story behind it. And he says, see, the reason I'm wrecking this boat is that there's a ruler who wants to take the, takes people's boats away from them, ships away from them. So I'm creating an issue here so that he doesn't take their boat away. And as soon as Musa hears that, he sees the context, like, oh, that's why. But see, even a prophet, when he doesn't know what's the context, he gets angry. He complains. And what is Quran trying to teach us? It's okay. It's okay. Now, that is subhanallah. Subhanallah may be one of the most loving words that God has ever told us. God is saying, I know from where you're standing, Javod, it's as if life is attacking you. I'm there hurting you. Things in your life are against you. But believe me, Javod John, live in a certain way, you will reach a place where you see every single thing which happened to you was out of my love for you. You can't feel it now, but trust me. And how can I make you trust me, God is saying? How can I make you trust me? Because I'm telling you, one day you will see every single thing which happened to you in your life was out of love. But how can you trust me? So he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find the nicest person I can think of called Muhammad. Please recite Salawan. He says, I'm going to find the nicest person I can think of. And wait 40 years so that you guys see how nice he's been with you. And then through him, someone that you see how much he loves you. Someone that you've seen when you throw stones at him, he, he still loved you. Someone that in the battle when you killed his uncle and everyone said curse them. He said, how can I curse them? I love them. So I'm going to wait to find someone like this, so beautiful, that no matter what you do to him, he still loves you, you see love, and through him, I'm going to tell you, subhanAllah, I would never do anything bad to you. Whatever's happened to you in your life, every single thing is out of love. And one day you will see that. All you need to do is trust me, come up a little bit higher, grow spiritually, look at the world from a place, and then you will see there was nothing there that wasn't love. Everything was love. And then you'll say the same thing. But in order for all of that to happen, you need to trust me. Even though everything in your life is telling you otherwise, the reality of your life is different. You have to separate yourself from that. And it's not going to be easy. And tomorrow we'll speak a little bit about how can we do that? How are we to deal with the pain of people? How are we to deal with the suffering we see in the world? We'll talk about that more. But the gist of it was this. That God would never ever want to hurt you. 
God loves you. And I'm going to end with this. You know, a lot of us, we've got it so wrong. We think in order to please God, we have to like beg him hundred times to forgive us or pray so he forgives us. Prophet Dawood is talking to God and Ma'asum has reported this. Prophet Dawood says, God, how can I get your people? How can I, what can, as, what can we as your people do so that you're pleased with us? You know what God says? Tell them, if you want me to be pleased with you, all I want from you is one thing. You be happy with me. What does that mean? It means I'm already okay with you. You just can't see it. Prophet Dawood, God, what can we do to please you? He says, guys, how can I tell you? I already love you. It's just you're living in a certain way. You can't see it. You start being okay with me. I'm there. This is why I've been begging you if you're praying, if you're fasting, is so that you change, so that you see the love which is already there for you. You don't need to gain God's liza or love. He says, I'm there. I'm ready. If people who had turned away from me knew how much I love them, their body couldn't take it. Dawood, I'm already in love with these guys. I'm already happy with them. Just learn to live in a way that you get to be happy with me too. And inshallah, tomorrow we'll talk more about that. May inshallah, in these nights, we make steps towards this inner change, towards getting to a place where we can look at the world and look at it in the same way Lady Zainab was looking. It's possible for every single one of us. We can get to a height where we'll see God's love everywhere. And tonight as well, remember, you're not trying to win the mercy of a judgmental God. No, He loves you. He's like a healer, a doctor, a loving parent, ready for you to go to him so that he starts helping you to heal. Imam Ali alayhi salam, and I'll finish with this. In Munajat Sha'abaniyya. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Ilahi. Lam yakun li hawlun fa'antagila bihiyan ma'asiyatik. God, the only time I can rid myself of my shortcomings, of all these things which are weighing me down, my fear, my addictions, my sins, I want to fly, I want to see the world like Lady Zainab did, but I can't. The only time I have the strength to change is when I feel your love. Ilahi, lam yakun li hawlun fa'antagila bihi an ma'asiyatik illa fi waqtin ay ghaftani li mahabbatik May inshallah we all fall in love with God and before that feel his love for us. Please recite the salawat. Allah.